Good morning. Um, this morning, I have been praying really hard um, about this service, and I've been torn. Um, I'm just going to be open and honest with you this morning. I've been torn about what to do today. Um, I felt like during the prayer time that the Lord put something in my heart for you and for me. And we always pray at 8.30 in the morning. And um, I really feel like God's put in my heart to share something with you that, that I hadn't planned on sharing. But I'm going to be honest with you, it scares me. Because... I'm completely trusting in God on this one because I have no, I, I got like three sentences written down. But I feel like what God wants me to do today is encourage you. And I want to take a break from everyday Christian today to talk about everyday life. Um, to talk about what we do in the storms of life. I don't know about you, but I feel like um, I feel like our community, I feel like our world is just being rocked right now. I know in my spirit, in a lot of ways, it's just being rocked point where I've struggled with anxiety more than I've ever struggled. And I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know where you're at. I feel like there are a lot of people here today that maybe that's the spot you find yourself in is just wondering what in the world is going on. And I found myself looking for answers found myself looking for peace and today my, my hope and my prayer is that somehow I can encourage you in that I'll be honest I don't think I'm going to tell you anything you haven't heard before but maybe today is a day that we need to just be reminded of some things we already knew and so today, rather than turning to 1 Peter, I'm going to ask you to turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Verse 35. It says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. 
Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And it says they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit who's here right now. God, would you move in our hearts? God, would you give me the words that you want said today? Nothing more, nothing less. God, would you encourage us in our spirit? God, would you give us greater faith? God, would you speak peace, be still to our hearts? And let us walk in calm. Let us experience that calm that comes only from you, only from walking in your peace. God, we love you and thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I feel like part of what I'm supposed to do as a pastor is share what God puts in my heart for you. And this is what has been in my heart for you and and for me this morning and, and for really quite a while as I've been wrestling with some things myself and I was reading this today as I mentioned in the prayer time I I felt like God directed me to this passage and as I read it I thought about those disciples and I thought about how that boat on that water it's really kind of a metaphor for life of how we go through life how we we drift along through life many times and then things happen things come against us things that maybe we didn't expect come against us in life. And the very first part of this says that day, it says that day when evening came. And I thought about that day. What did the disciples expect that morning when they got up? What were they expecting to happen? It was gonna be another day with Jesus, another awesome, great day with Jesus. it says that that day came and, and it made me start thinking about that day and what is that day for us? What was that day in our life? Was it a phone call that we got in the middle of the night that was that day? Was it a diagnosis that we got that was that day? What was that day? in your life, and I believe this with all my heart, I believe that for many of us, it's the fear of that day or another day that keeps us anxious, that keeps us on edge, that keeps us worried, that keeps us out of the peace that God wants us to have. It's that day that may come that oftentimes robs us of the abundant peace and the abundant life that God wants us to have. And here's the reality, y'all, that that day comes. 
those days happen. We live in a fallen world, a world that is not as it was intended to be. We live in a world that has been ravaged by sin. It's been ravaged by selfishness. It's been ravaged by Satan. It's, it's a marred version. It's a marred vision. We see only a marred, marred version of what God intended for this to be. And so that day comes. That day comes. And it's no respecter of persons. It comes to all people. That day comes. That day when we're going to say goodbye to this world. That day that we're going to say goodbye to someone we love. Those days happen. How do we, how do we have peace in those days? How, how do we walk in life knowing that that day comes that those things happen like I said I feel like our community has been just hit I feel like we have been attacked as a community I feel like Satan has has come against us I feel like Satan has come against my family I feel like everywhere I look that Satan is just having a field day and I believe as Christians that we've got to stand up and put our foot down and say enough is enough because the Bible tells us that if we resist him that he has to flee and I know in my own heart Satan is trying to rob everything from me. He's attacked my faith. To the point where I didn't know if I could keep going. Because honestly, if I don't have Christ, I have nothing. There is no hope. There is no peace. There is nothing. And Satan has come against us so hard. He's attacked us in every way. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every single way he could possibly attack. But today I want to draw a line in the sand. And I'm saying enough is enough. And I want him to be put on notice that God is greater, that God is better. And I want you to know that too. I want you to be able to have peace in your heart. This is the thing. I know that those disciples were struggling. I know they were fighting in the storm when it came up. They were, I'm sure they were rowing as hard as they could row. And the reality of it is this is a fight. It is a battle. But it's a war that's already been won. It's a victory that we already have. John 19.30 tells us that Jesus, as he died, he said it is finished. And that means it is finished once and for all. It is done. It is over. It is complete. 
so that Satan no longer has any hold on us. The Bible says that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And today I want to encourage you to let the spirit of God rise up inside of you and let him begin to speak to you so that you can begin to speak to Satan and tell him to get behind you today. Enough is enough. I feel like so many of us, including myself, have been letting him have a field day. Just letting him have his way. And I believe today that God wants to speak peace to our hearts. I believe today that God wants this to be a turning point. It wants to be, he wants it to be something that, that changes us forever, that we could look at it and say on January 22nd, 2017, something changed. I can't even tell you exactly what it was, but I can tell you that something changed, something happened in my heart, something happened in my life, and things have been different ever since. It says there in verse 35, if you keep going, it says, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. You know, the whole reason Jesus came to earth was to get us to the other side. That's the whole reason that Jesus was here to start with, was to get us to the other side. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time hunting and in the woods and, uh, a lot of times I'll come up to a ditch or I'll come up to some water and, and it's just wide enough that I don't know if I can make it or not, right? And so I back up and I get a running start and I try to jump over that water or I try to jump over the ditch and inevitably I always end up coming short and inevitably the water's always just deeper than my boots, right? And so the water gets in my boots, I end up with wet feet and I can't jump far enough. And I believe that's what Satan does to us. He puts the carrot out there in front of us and he says, listen, just, just run after that carrot. And we always continue to try to jump and we continue to try to be good enough and we continue to try to make it, but we never can be good enough and we never can make it on our own. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came was so that he could get us across that chasm, across that gap of being good enough because we could never be good enough for God. We could never make ourselves right with God. There was a chasm that existed between us because of our sin, this huge ditch, this huge body of, of endless um, sin that was there. We can never get ourselves to the other side, and yet that's why Jesus came, is to get us to the other side, to get us across. We couldn't jump far enough, so Jesus jumped for us. We couldn't do enough, so Jesus did it for us. We couldn't stack up enough good to outweigh the bad. We couldn't stack up enough good to make us righteous, but Jesus did it for us. The whole reason he came was to get us to the other side. To get us to the other side, to get us to the other side of salvation. To get us to a point where we could be made right with God to get us across this chasm of sin. It's as if when he stretched out his arms, he made a bridge for us to go from one side to the other so that we could cross over into glory, so that we could cross over into paradise, so we could cross over into heaven. We could cross over not then, but now into the very presence of God, knowing that God is with us. 
It says that they took him along just as he was in the boat. He was with them. We're in Christ. God's not only with us, but he's in us. And as I said, greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. God has given me his spirit. It's an overcoming spirit. It's a spirit that recognizes the fact that that day will come. But I know one who is greater than that day. It's the reality that Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. It's the reality that it doesn't matter who's against us because we know the one who's for us. We sing that song when we were, or sang it probably when we were little. He's got the whole world in his hands. How much better would it be if we could live that simple truth? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his, he's got your life in his hands. He's got your life in his hands. One of the scriptures that I'd planned on using this morning in the message that I worked several hours on this week that I'm not using now is out of Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. Listen to this. Excuse me, that was gross. He says in verse 26, speaking of those who would end up persecuting the Christians, persecuting his followers, He says this, he says, so do not be afraid of them for there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. He's saying, be bold, be courageous. He's saying, what is whispered in your ear proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so this sounds kind of bad. He's kind of like, listen, don't be afraid of the people that that can just kill your body, but be afraid of God because he can kill your body and your soul, throw both of them into hell. And you're like, well, dang, that doesn't really comfort me much, but you have to listen to the rest of it. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So what does he say? So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. And so he's telling us this, that there's no reason to fear what man, what this world can do to us. That the one we should be in fear of, the one that we should be in reverent awe of is God himself because he's the one who controls our destiny. He's the one that controls where we spend eternity. And he says, here's the thing. You ought to fear him. You ought to have a reverent fear of him and reverent awe of him. You ought to be in awe of God. But the reality of it is also remember that he loves you. He cares for you, even to the point that the very hairs of your head are numbered. He says, so don't be afraid. He says that not one sparrow will fall to the ground outside of our father's care. And we're worth more than many sparrows. And so what he's telling us is that his eyes are on us. His hand is on us. His, 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 his love, his care is on us. And so that we can take courage in this life when only the only thing that this world can do to us, the only thing that can possibly happen, the worst that can come 
some is that this physical life is over, but he says, don't worry about that. God's got you covered. God covered you when he died on the cross. That blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made when his body was hung on the cross, when he took our sin upon himself and that he took the punishment that we deserved upon himself, he's saying that covered you. That's, that's your covering. And he's saying that God's got you covered for eternity if you're in Christ. So do not be afraid. Do not fear. Take heart. Satan can't do anything to you that will hinder what God has planned for you. So God's purpose, the reason for Jesus' coming was to get us to the other side, to get us to the other side. I believe this, I believe that in the storm, I believe that God wants to take us further than what we would have gone on our own. Listen to verse 36, he says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. See, God wants us to take us further than the crowd. We, we can't follow the crowd and get to where God wants us to be. We have to follow Jesus. And sometimes Jesus takes us places that may, may not be safe, but that are always secure. And they're secure only because we're in the presence of God, because we're in the hand of God, because he takes care of us. But I believe this, that God wants to take us further than we would have ever gone on our own. He wants to take us further into him than, than he would have, we would have ever gotten by ourselves. He wants to take take us further into him than the crowds ever would take us. And if we can see the storm for in that way, if we can see that what Satan meant for harm, God meant for good and that God wants to use it for our good, then the work that God does in us will be greater than the destruction that Satan can bring to our life. Remember that we're not fighting for a victory. We're fighting from a victory that God has already won. I think about Joseph and this scripture won't be up there, but it's in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. After Joseph had been through all the, the hell that he went through. You remember Joseph with the coat of many colors? And Joseph had been through all this stuff. He had been sold as a slave. He had risen up in Potiphar's house um, in Egypt as, as, as one of his, um, his, his right-hand man. Uh, he, had, he had been... Uh, tricked or, or seduced by Potiphar's wife and, and then he resisted but she kind of framed him and he got put in jail um, and then he he interpreted that's the word he interpreted some dreams for Pharaoh and when he did that Pharaoh elevated him he was the second most powerful man in Egypt but he'd been sold into slavery and all of these these storms that come into his life because of his brothers he gets to the end of his life. His brothers are worried. His brothers are afraid of what's going to happen. But listen to this. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I have to go back to this scripture many times and look at it and realize that what Satan intended for harm, God intended for good. That the things that he wants to do to harm me, God takes those things and flips them around and he uses them for good. That every weapon that Satan wants to use against me that no weapon formed against me can prosper. Why? Because God's got a plan and God's in control and God is the one who's powerful, all powerful in all things. 
The Bible says that there were also other boats with him. I thought about why did God put this sentence in there? Why would it be in the Bible there were also other boats with him? Because I think those other boats, we don't really know what happened to those boats. This is the thing I believe though, is that those boats were probably very appreciative when the, the storm calmed, right? And I believe this, that, that, that when God works in our heart and he begins to calm our storm, that it has an effect on other people around us and they begin to see the reality of God and who he is. And I believe that that's another effect of what God does in the heart of the believer is that he gives a calm that radiates out to other people. A calm that says, peace be still. And we may not have Jesus walking with us, but we have Jesus inside of us and his voice still speaks to the hearts of man and says, peace be still. It says a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. I love the fact that it says it was nearly swamped because it wasn't swamped, but it was nearly swamped. And I think about how as Christians, that's how our life is many times. There'll be so many things on us, so many things weighing us down that we feel like we're going under. But God never lets us. One of the Christian lies that we hear so many times is that God won't give us more than we can handle. And yet Paul explicitly says it in one of his letters that it was more than we could handle. The reality is God never gives us more than he can handle. And he brings us to a place through the storm where we have to surrender to him. Guys, listen to me when I say this. I don't have anywhere else to turn. The only place I know to turn and the only one I know to trust is him. He's the one that I put my life in, his hands. He's the one that I put my children's lives in his hands. He's the one that I put my wife's life in his hands. The life of this church in his hands. Why? Because I can't carry it. I've tried. It's a weight that's too heavy for me to bear. And it's the same way for you. Many of you right now are in positions and places and circumstances that it is a weight too heavy for you to bear. So don't bear it. Cast your cares upon God for he cares for you. Put it on him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he will help carry the burden. But you got to give it to him. You got to trust him with it. Well, I'm being open and honest and crying in front of y'all. I guess I'll share this too. A couple of weeks ago, Susan went to have some blood work done. Comes back that her white blood count's high. And she doesn't have a spleen, so... A lot of times that can cause your white blood count to be high, but Susan had cancer when she was 16 years old. She was cured of that, thank God, and, and has been cancer-free for all this time. We were dating then and went through all the treatments and everything, and thank God she made it through all of that, lost her hair, went through all of it. So you can imagine what happens when you get a blood report back that white blood count's high. 
It just sends fear into you. And I could see it in her eyes. I could feel it in my heart. And I'm trying to be calm. I'm trying to radiate peace. I'm trying not to be rattled. But I can't help but tell you that in my heart it rattled me. This week, she's got to go back. They put her on antibiotics for two weeks. She's got to go back this week and have more blood work done to see if the blood counts come down from taking those antibiotics. I believe in my heart that everything's fine. I really do. I, I believe in my heart that everything's okay. But I can't help but have that little part of me that says, but what if? But guys, this is where I have to come back to or I can't make it. That God's got this. That he is in control. Not Satan. Not sickness. Not fatigue. Not worry. Not anxiousness. But God is in control. And I have to trust him with all of it. I get to trust him with all of it. And I can put it in his hands and say, God, I'll know. I know you love my wife even more than I do. And so, God, I trust you with her. I trust you with her. And I believe, God, that you've got a good and you've got a perfect plan for her, for my children, and for me. And I'm gonna trust you to work that plan. And I believe, God, that you're gonna do this. I believe it. God, help my unbelief when I begin to doubt you. God, help me when my faith is weak and when I'm not strong. God, help me when I question things because I don't know. God, help me when I sound like the disciples as Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And they said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Has that ever been the cry of your heart? Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we go under? Don't you care if these burdens are too much for us to bear? Don't you care? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. There's a story in the Bible where a leper comes up to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. The Bible says that Jesus reached down and touches this leper. This was, this was not something that they did. One, they didn't want to catch it. But two, it made them ceremonially unclean. But Jesus reaches down and touches the leper. And he says, I'm willing. Be clean. And he heals it. And today I want you to see that God cares for you. He cares about your situation. He cares about your circumstance. And God is willing to reach down and make you clean. He's willing to reach down and make you whole. 
He's willing to do what you can't do. He's willing to speak peace into your life. The Bible says that Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. The ESV translation says that it was a great calmness. And I believe that's what God wants to do in our hearts. I believe it's how God wants to work in our lives. It's to speak a great calmness over us. To speak a great calmness into us. A calmness, a peace that we couldn't have otherwise. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I don't think that was intended necessarily to be condescending. I think it hurts God's heart when he sees us troubled. I think that he, he asked that question and says, don't you trust me yet? After all I've brought you through, after all the goodness that I've shown you, after I've sent my son to die for you, haven't you looked at the cross and seen my goodness? Don't you trust me yet? Will you trust me? Will you give your life to me? Will you put it in my hands? Do you still have no faith? Look at all that God's done in your life. Let that be something that builds faith for the future. Let God's past faithfulness be something that gives you faith for the future. Why are we so afraid when we have a God like the God that we have? Why are we so afraid? Do we still have no faith? I got toilet paper stuck all to my face up here. The Bible says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They were amazed. And I believe we should be. I believe we will be. As God speaks peace into our hearts. And into our lives. And then it ends in 5.1. and says they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. They made it to the other side. They finished the journey. Jesus brought them through the storm. And I don't know what that storm is for you. I, I just know that there's a God who wants to bring you through it. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. They went into the fiery furnace. And the Bible says that when they came out, the only thing that had burned up was the ropes that held them, that, that bound them. Isn't that what God does in our lives, even through the storm, even through those things that Satan meant to harm us? God brings us out on the other side when we trust him with it, freer than we were when we went into it. These disciples came out with a greater understanding of who Jesus was having been through the storm. 
And now Jesus is about to go and kick Satan's butt again as he cast out demons from this man on the other side of the lake. You know Satan hates Jesus and he hates us who have been made in Jesus' image because he's always getting his tail whipped by him. And so today, I guess, I want to encourage you. I want to maybe challenge you to look at God. Look at who he is, his past faithfulness. And come to a place where you put everything into his hands. I talk about this a lot with Bo, me and Bo, Bo Fordham and our outreach pastor. If it weren't for God, where would we turn? If it weren't for the hope we have in him, there really would be none. How pitiful to live without that hope. How pitiful to spend 70, even 80, 90, 100 years on this earth to never realize the purpose for which you were put here, which is to love God, to be loved by God, and to share that love with others. How pitiful to have no hope beyond the grave. God's given us that hope. I don't know, maybe I preached this today for me. I, I don't believe it was just for me. Because I believe today that God is wanting us to know that if we're in the middle of that day, it's going to be okay. that day is behind us, God can heal us. If that day is in front of us, God's not surprised by it. He's already got you covered. So the question really left for us today is, will I trust him with my life? Will I surrender to Jesus and who he is? Will I let him take my sin and take my turmoil and listen that's not a one time question it's a question for salvation yes it's a question of will I give my life to him as, as meaning will I follow Jesus will I surrender my life to him but it's a question we have to ask every day we have to ask every moment am I surrendering my life into his hands it's a way of life it's not a momentary action when we come to that place of salvation, from that day forward, it's a daily act of surrendering. Paul said that he died daily. It, he, he said that he had been crucified with Christ and he no longer lived. It's a crucifying of ourselves so that we can live in Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. And so, I want to ask you if you're doing that. I want to ask you, have you done that? If you have not given your life to Christ, 
I don't know of a better day to do that. Let that be that day. That life comes in the place of death. And only you know that. Only you know if God's speaking to your heart today and calling you to himself. And if, you, if you're being called right now to say yes to him for the first time. But this is what I can tell you. If you are, don't hold back from that. Don't resist that. But give in to that and surrender to him. And if that's you today, I'm going to ask you. If you're that, you would say, I'm surrendering to Jesus for the first time. I need him in my life. I need hope. I need peace. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. I want to surrender. I want to follow him. I want to leave the crowds behind and go deeper with God. And you've never done that. Then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me today. I need that. I want that today. I really feel like this message is for those who are in Christ. This salvation, absolutely, he gets us to the other side of salvation. But I think so much of it today is for those who are in Christ. And this is what I want to do today. It's been on my heart. I want to pray for you. I, I, I want to spend some time praying for you at the altar today. So if you're in a place where you say, I'm struggling with peace I, I need prayer I need God maybe you've been in that place where you say God do you care if I drown and today God is speaking to your heart I want to pray for you I want to ask you in just a moment if you would to get out of your seats and come down here and I want to spend some time praying for you here at the altar I want to pray over everyone and when I say amen if you'd like prayer today I'm going to ask you that you would come forward as everybody else is leaving you just come forward and we're going to spend some time praying for you so let's all pray together. Father, thank you for love and grace, the power of your mercy. Thank you that you speak peace, be still to our hearts. Jesus, would you do that again? Thank you that you don't mind repeating it, Lord. Would you do that again? Speak to our hearts calm our souls and our spirit let your love wash over us anew refresh us in the power of your spirit do what only you can do give us peace that surpasses understanding go with us as we leave this place and let that peace radiate out to others so that they would want to know what it is that's so different about us bring those who are far from you close in Jesus name Amen